Hi, it's May 25th, and this is Martin Nutty, and you're listening to episode one of Nutty in NYC. I'd hope the first episode might be on a more happy topic, but that's not how things work. The news cycle sometimes intervenes, and we have to talk about some of the ugliness that is present in American society. And I'm talking here specifically about America and guns. Yesterday in Uvalde in Texas, a young 18-year-old man armed with a semi-automatic gun killed 21 people. 19 of those were children. Now, this bloodbath was clearly horrific. But sadly, in America, it is no longer exceptional. Two days before, in New York City, a man by the name of Daniel Enriquez was on his way to a Sunday brunch. He was riding the subway, and another man pulled a gun out and shot him in the chest, apparently unprovoked. Eleven days ago, on May 14th, in Buffalo, Another young man, also armed with a semi-automatic gun, opened fire in an African-American community and killed 10 people. All of this less than 10 years since another horrific killing in Connecticut, which we now refer to by shorthand as Sandy Hook. And in that particular situation, another young man, armed with a semi-automatic gun, killed 26 people, 20 of whom were children. At the time, 10 years ago, there had been some expectation that our political establishment would be able to impose some regulatory control on guns and that these horrendous mass killings would come to an end. And the truth of the matter is, obviously, nothing has changed. In the face of this flood of ugliness, you need to step back sometimes away from the emotion of things and see to what degree are we being colored by the horror that these types of situations present. What does the data tell us? Well, in 2020, the Centers for Disease Control reported that 19,384 people died in America from gun-related murders. There are more guns than people in America. Apparently, there's 120 guns for every 100 people. Now, when I compare that to my homeland of Ireland, that's 17 times more guns. Now, proponents of guns in America will maintain that the possession of a gun makes people safer. But the truth of the matter is, is that the murder rate using guns is seven times higher in America than it is in Ireland. And if we drill down into the individual states, we can see that some states are much more violent than others. Not necessarily the big cities. Interestingly, Mississippi has five times more gun-related deaths than New York State, where I live. So the data is ugly. Why do we persist in doing nothing? And the answer to that is historic and cultural. Frequently cited in any discussion about guns in America, 
people will refer to the Second Amendment. We'll talk about the right to bear arms. However, the Second Amendment is a little bit longer. Let me quote it for you. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, that amendment is actually part of the Bill of Rights, which was passed in 1789. And usually when people talk about it, there are very little references to militia at all. And what exactly was the role of militia? And why was this particular amendment enshrined in the United States Constitution? Well, remember, we're talking about 1789. This was an era where there was no police force. So citizens would band together in militias to act as security within the individual states that made up the country. Now, flash forward 233 years later. Pretty much every locality has some kind of local policing. So we don't need a militia anymore. But talk to police officers as I do in New York City and how they feel about the ready availability of guns within the neighborhoods that they police. Think about life as a police officer when you get called on a domestic incident. One of the primary concerns on such a call is whether the inhabitants have a gun. And even though the state laws might be highly restrictive in New York City, it doesn't mean that the person living in that home hasn't gone down to another state with liberal gun laws, such as Virginia, and acquired a gun. So our lackadaisical approach to gun control across the United States is making policing much more dangerous, much more demanding, and we are doing ourselves a disservice if our concern is to promote public security for all our citizens. Why persist with the Second Amendment? 232 years after its passage, we have professional policing in every state, in every city of the Union. We don't need people armed for security purposes. It is a different world. But what's happened in America is certain interests have taken the Second Amendment and run with it. And so if you're a gun manufacturer, what you're looking for is legal cases that will encourage the distribution of guns, the purchase of guns. It's good for the bottom line. And so what we have ended up with is an enormous amount of guns in the hands of citizens sometimes fearful, and in rare cases, angry and disturbed, like the shooters in Uvalde, Buffalo, the New York City subway, and Sandy Hook. Now, I live in New York State. It's one of the more liberal states in the Union. But I grew up in Ireland, in a house with a gun. My father had a gun that he used to go hunting with but he was required to license that gun. He had to license it once every couple of years with the local police department. And I'm not here to say that all guns are necessarily bad. Clearly, hunting is deeply rooted 
in American tradition and in many other countries. And the more remote one becomes from urban life, in many respects, the more reason one should carry a gun. So, for example, if you're operating in the Alaska wilderness, miles from any policing, miles from any roads, in a situation where you may encounter aggressive wildlife, it's not a bad idea to have a gun. I have no objection to that. What I do have an objection to, and what many Americans have objections to, is weapons of war, semi-automatic and automatic guns, in the hands of people where there's no real logical need for that kind of armament. So what are we to conclude from the events in Uvalde yesterday in Texas and in Buffalo and in Sandy Hook? What we can see here is essentially a breakdown in American governance. We have a political environment that is highly polarized, a right-wing party that is highly resistant to any limitation on gun distribution. Now, they'll temporize over the next few days, hoping that the hot anger that many feel at the death of innocent children will fade and they will be able to continue on doing business as usual. Because the right to bear arms as currently conceived by the right wing of the American polity is now an identifier for a particular tribe. And any limitation of any kind on guns is considered to be an infringement on individual rights. Somehow, we have to get to a point where we can have a reasonable conversation amongst our elected representatives. We need to recognize the fact that we need an overarching federal law that regulates guns. It's not enough to have a patchwork of individual state laws because state borders are porous and guns can move easily through them. We need to start at a logical point where most Americans agree. And it's likely that if we polled Americans, we would probably get somewhere in the region of two-thirds support for legislation that regulated semi-automatic guns. Would that solve the murder rate in the United States? No. But it would reduce it, and it would limit the possibility of young, angry men engaging in horrendous mass killings. And that would be a place where we would start and would be a place where both red state and blue state could meet. We need to stop doing nothing. We need to make a start. We need to govern our country. We need to act responsibly. Enough is enough. This is Martin Nutty. And you've been listening to episode one of Nutty in NYC. The music you're listening to was composed and performed by Leah Rankin. For more on Leah, please visit her Instagram page. That is L-E-A-H-R-A-N-K-I-N on Instagram. <laughs>